Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Write Brain, a podcast about writing and crowdfunded publishing. Oh, yeah! Welcome to Write Brain, everyone. My name is Jeff Dubo. I'm the author of The Life Engineered, and with me is my co host, the incomparable, the shiny headed Paul Inman, the author of Ageless. Paul, how you doing? Shiny headed, man. You had to go to the bald spot, straight to the bald spot. It's, it's like a beacon. <laughs> I'm all right, except for I've got this cold thing going on. But other than that, it's spring break here in Myrtle Beach, and it was a beautiful 85 degrees today. Is Myrtle Beach just, an actual beach? Yeah, there's an actual beach down the road a little bit. I actually, I live a, I live less than a mile from the ocean, so it's pretty mm. cool. Yeah. And then, you know what? I go see it maybe once a year because I'm like, ah, I've seen the ocean. It's still there. Ah, oh, yes. Privileged. <laughs> hey, Paul, um, it's a special day yes. today. It is a special day today. It's Monday. We're doing this thing where we have a, a guest again. Another guest? What are we doing here? Well, clearly we can't carry the show on our own, so no, we need to bring no. in smarter, more capable people. And Well, the, now that your book is out and mine is almost out, what are we going to talk about? So that's why we have guests now. We're going to talk about my next book and how we can get more people to pre-order it so I can publish it. Yeah, Wait, that's a no, we're, we're not going to do that? Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, well, we can. My, my producer tells me to shut up with the self promotion. All right. <laughs> so, do you want to do, introduce, do the introductions or should I? Uh, Fine, I I'll do it. Uh, okay, go. <laughs> what else we I have? Your we, arm. We, we have uh, one of my quote unquote, we, we, the second one of my colleagues uh, in the uh, Sword and Laser collection on Ink Shares, the, uh, the incomparable, the, uh, the, the glorious Derek Adams. Derek, how are you doing, man? I am doing wonderful, and I am super excited to be on the podcast with you guys, quite honestly. Wow, well, your standards are super low. My, um, I'm, yeah. I'm so eager to please. <laughs> like, I like stared at a cardboard box for about 45 minutes today. Just an empty cardboard box, and it was amazing. So this is going to be wonderful. <laughs> well, you know, if that's... If that's all you got to do to be entertained, then we'll just sit here for the next 45 minutes in silence. <laughs> it, See how everybody likes like that. Like sort of an Andy Kaufman sort of podcast. That's right. That's right. It's exactly right. So one of the things so, I think, I, ahead, I don't know if we, uh, I don't know if we mentioned Derek's book. Not yet. Well, Derek is the author of the uh, very interesting book, a book that I liked because uh, I, I got to read it. I got to read it early. Is uh, Asteroid Made of Dragons. Yes, yes, it is. And I did not get to read it early, but I do have it. In fact, I uh, tweeted a picture of it out today, as a matter of fact. A couple of pictures, yes. Uh, with the rest of the um, first contest, Sword and Laser books that have now arrived at my house. And uh, I'm pretty excited. I have not, well, I take that back. I started reading it a couple of days ago because I was still finishing up. Um, an unattractive vampire. So mm -hmm. I, I am uh, in. I am in the first. Well, I finished the prologue. I'm in the first chapter, and actually, I'm pretty much finished with the first chapter. So no, not too many spoilers here. I mean, like you know, I hear that there's an asteroid made of dragons. So I mean, that's the it's rumor. already spoiler territory. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> that's the rumor at the very least. <laughs> well. Tell us about how you are. We always talk about how we are. How are you doing? I mean, you had a, an interesting day, 45 minutes with a cardboard box. Anything mm -hmm. else exciting? Mm -hmm. Please, uh, don't get too exciting, though. No, it was it was a normal day at work, uh, at my day job. 
Uh, spo- spoiler alert, uh, most of us Inkshares people are still on the very, we're c- trying to climb the, the career mountain of writing. So most of us, all, like all of us have day jobs and all that good stuff. Um, I'm doing really well. I'm very, very excited and anxious about the book coming out next week. And I'm trying to um, like find, like trying to enjoy it as much as possible without wallowing in total uh, neurosis. neurosis. Uh, so that's kind of where I am. And from listening to the podcast with you guys, I see, I, I've learned that that's very common for all of us sort of experiencing this. Well, it's definitely common for me to be like totally out of my mind with anxiety, but that's only because I'm afraid of failing, I guess. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not necessarily afraid of failing because I have failed plenty of times in my life and I just keep on keeping on. But, you know, I don't like to fail at things that I just have no idea if I'm going to even marginally be successful at. That's that's where I'm struggling, I think. I, I think this is a case of managing expectations. Whoa, though. you've got like gorillas over there or something. Yeah, those are my dogs. They are probably barking at someone walking by the house on, in no threatening way. Just a, a nice person walking by the house, probably waving at them. That's probably, <laughs> like, why, that's probably why they're barking. I like to imagine your dogs like my dog, which is um, about maybe like 10 inches long, you know, and, and she like weighs maybe eight pounds and she just is like, rah, 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 and she's like the scariest sounding thing you've ever seen. Although, you know, you see her and you're like, oh, she's so fluffy and cute. You know, that's the way I like to imagine everybody's dogs. I don't know, I guess. But your dogs sound like big dogs. No, they're, they're little medium, uh, little like rescue boxer mix, pit mixes. Mm. They're just big enough to be a huge problem, especially when they want to lay in the bed with you. Now, do they have dragon names? They do not. They do not have <laughs> exciting dragon names. Like one is Cinnabon. And the other one is Annabelle Lee. Like, oh, I really want Cinnabon to be fat. No, Cinnabon is a like half warg. She is all muscle. She's a warrior <laughs> dog. She lives Weird. only for the blood of the blood of her enemies, which is sad because we never let her fight or do anything like that. So it's kind of like raising a Klingon, where you never really let them do what they want to do. So she's just kind of unfulfilled and upset all the time. How cruel of you not to bring your dog to dog fights. Exactly. <laughs> I know how dare we. said. How dare we? Yes. <laughs> it, it, going going back to the the book thing. Um, I was eh. saying something. I can't remember. That's all it, right. It'll come to you. I'm sure. No. Well, th- what I was saying is about like the because uh, you were talking about having this this fear of failure when launching the book, right? I think that was me, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's what Paul was saying. But one of the things I've I think I've learned. I like to think I've learned. I probably haven't learned it, but I've learned the theory, but not the practice, is to sort of respect what is the success and what is the failure in the process. Because mm-hmm. it can't be a 100% failure. I mean, no matter no, no matter what happens, <laughs> unless you get critically destroyed, your friends stop talking to you because they don't like your book. And you're, you're, if, you're, if your life is worse for releasing the book than it is for not releasing it, then it's not a failure. Um, however, it may not meet your expectations, mm-hmm. which at that point, maybe you're setting your expectations too high or you should learn to like, okay, well this time it didn't get to like, I didn't get my movie deal with JJ Abrams. How would I do that with my next book? Mm-hmm. Oh yes. So that's, I that, guess you would make a God in the shed. That's how you would do that with your next book, right? Yeah. I don't know if it's JJ <laughs> material. 
segue. Come on, that was a perfect segue. <laughs> if you'd like to order JJ, oh, okay, JJ, yeah. Wow. That's see, this is the part where I'm terrible at self promotion because I don't, I don't have that instinct to jump on every scrap of meat to to promote my my garbage. The, you're doing exactly what you should. The best self promotion is always just write another book, write another good fun book. That's the all. That's like all. Like this is my third book. The first two were self published, and all the research I've done, all the people I've talked to, there is no promotion like writing another book. Give people another chance to see what you can do. See, give you people another chance to find you another tendril out there in the world where they can lead back to the other things that you've written. Like, and because mm-hmm. honestly, as all of us, you kind of have to decide what, where you want to put your energy, you know, because ultimately there's only so much energy you can give to self-promotion. And so you kind of have to decide how much energy you want to give to that and how much you really want to give to getting better at writing, having fun writing, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because that, that's one of the biggest dilemma I have with almost every activity. If in any given situation, if I'm if I'm stuck between the choice, do I do the self-promotion or mm-hmm. the, the, do I do uh, any activity or do I write? I always mm-hmm. lean towards writing. Yeah, so, you should. Yeah, but at the same time, I need to – there is something to be said about – getting people, hooking people and bringing them into your ecosystem oh, and showing them your product. Oh, dude, but I know. It's, that's it's, it's, it's a huge catch-22. Brutal. Especially because yeah, like we're all so hyper-aware of it and see so many people out there in our ecosystem within InkShares and within just the writer-verse in general that are really good at it. They're so mm-hmm. good at promoting themselves and it doesn't and, feel forced and it doesn't feel like a sales pitch. It just feels like this is a cool person. They seem so cool. Let me buy everything they've ever done right now. And, and exactly. I, I know like, I'm uh, not like, that person. No, neither am I. Like You look at someone like Jameson Stone who's able to very naturally, very charmingly go up to people at conventions and say, hey, man, I wrote a book. It's super cool. You should order it. Here's how you do it. And boom, he, he does it because he's just – a mm-hmm. nice guy who knows how to approach people and, and like sure. he's, he's capable. I want to be Jameson Stone. I want to be Jameson or, Stone. <laughs> sorry. Or even uh, Billy O'Keefe, who's like really close to getting the 750. And I think he'll be the first or one of the first people since it has switched over to 750 um, to actually meet that goal. I don't know if you guys are keeping up with the, the politics book. I can't remember the name of it. Um, uh, this is your friend, friends on politics. Yes, that's, yeah, it. Yeah. that's it. And he's uh, maybe he's over seven hundred at least as of yesterday. No, he, so, he, I mean, he's, he wouldn't be the first because I think the one of one of the books that we reviewed here, "How to Get Run Over by a Truck," met seven fifty. Oh, right. right. in that's oh, right. that's right, because he did it in like two days. Yeah, right, in the time right. it takes me to go to the convenience store, she sold seven hundred fifty <laughs> pre-orders. It was amazing. So cool. then again, that book looks great. Yeah, that I was like, I was like, yeah, I would back that. That sounds great. I did bag that. I, <laughs> so, somehow it spoke to me. Yeah, somehow getting hit by um truck somehow mm-hmm. speaks to a guy who got hit by a truck. Yeah, well, oh, you know, I, I, I got, I I got hit by a Jetta. It's not the same thing. Mm. It's completely different. Well, class when will they write the book about the Jetta assault? Then I can really <laughs> have a, my story told. Only a Jetta, man. It's only a Jetta. No big deal. <laughs> What what are we <laughs> we have derailed, gentlemen? No, no, I don't think there was a rail. I don't either. <laughs> so 
what's the release date on Nesrin Made of Dragons? Because I, I completely stopped keep take, keeping track of that since I got my copy. I don't whatever. I, uh, I don't need. I, I don't need to check the calendar anymore. Official launch date is April fifth. Uh, admittedly, it's already been released into the wild to all the backers, and it's already available uh, online through Amazon. Also, a lot of a lot of physical stores are stocking the paperback. Really, the, the only hitch for official launch is the ebook on Amazon. So it's definitely this weird like it's already out there. People are reading it. Reviews are trickling in, but the official launch and my launch party and all that good stuff is April fifth. That's the official book birthday of Asteroid Made of Dragon. Um, actually, you know, let's talk about Asteroid Made of Dragons a little later. But but you had mentioned a few minutes ago um, about that this is your third book and there are uh-huh. two other books in the series. Right. Uh, let's talk about those for a few minutes because for those of you who um, may only know Derek from uh, Ink Shares and Asteroid Made of Dragons, this is actually the third book in the trilogy, right? It's not a trilogy. It's not a trilogy. Yeah, it's the third not, book in the series. Sorry, like I, I don't like. I want to be super clear on this. Like I like my whole my whole bag, my whole thing. I'm trying to work on in the great genre conversation is I don't want you to think this is epic fantasy. It's not Game of Thrones where you have to start at the beginning and learn everyone's name, or you'll never know what's going on ever ever again. Like I, I'm trying to write episodic fantasy. So the world stays the same, certain characters reoccur, but every book is designed to be read a la carte. Like the way way I've been describing it to people is Asteroid Made of Dragons is the first Avengers movie. The other books are like Iron Man 2 and the Thor movie. Yes, they came before and involve some of the same characters, but you don't need to have seen those movies to have a really good time watching Avengers one. Oh, that yeah, means you're getting you close. With Avengers two. No one can help. Yeah, you. I was going to say that you're you're getting close to writing your Age of Ultron. Don't do that, man. That movie was badly <laughs> written. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll try to avoid that whole debacle. Um, you know, but, I like the first Thor though. I, know I did this too. Is totally not. I like the second. About, but Thor. the first Thor was amazing. I thought it was really good. Uh, you know, and Thor- it kind of underwhelmed at the box office compared to the other Marvel movies. But I thought the first Thor was really good. It oh, surprised yeah. me I'm, by how good it was because I, would, what I, mean. I was not expecting much. That's from exactly Thor. what I'm saying. And I'm definitely not throwing shade on my earlier novels. Like, I love them. They're my babies, too. But I don't want people to feel like they have to earn the right to read Asteroid Made of Dragons. Like, the door is wide open. Like, come on in, read, read. Like, I, I've specifically in all of them, like, after the first one, admittedly, I've had people read them that have never read any of the others to make sure they always work as a standalone adventure. And admittedly, there are super fun secret meta plot things happening that you can, you can play along with the home game if you read all of them, but you're not required. Read them in any order, read just one, do whatever you want. It's all good. Well, tell us about the other two a little bit. Sure. Uh, the first, the first one is introduces uh, introduces my world and the two like two sort of main characters, the my sort of Mulder and Scully analogs, the characters that I'm going to hook you into, so you'll follow them along on whatever adventures I send them on. Uh, mm-hmm. So the first one is just basically how they met, learning about the world. It's kind of like the first manga of my stuff. 
It's just there to show off like, here's the, here's the, how wild magic kind of works. And Jonas is kind of dumb. And isn't that funny? And you learn about the world and how it's not as important and, and fancy as other fantasy worlds, but that's the point. It is the consensus fantasy universe. I didn't reinvent anything. I just stole the thing that we all already know what it is and played around with it. Um, the second book, uh, The Riddle Box, is a locked room Agatha Christie murder mystery with fantasy characters. So basically, I went That's pretty cool. So the first book is like a road picture where they meet, you learn about the world, all that kind of stuff. And then the second book is totally, almost totally different in genre, where it's a locked room murder mystery. It takes over, it takes over, like the first book covers like about a week and a half of time. The second book covers one night. And then Asteroid Made of Dragons is supposed to be my riff on the fantasy crisis story, like that you see so much in the fantasy genre where it takes cross many weeks and it's epic and they travel across the world and there's a huge problem that they have to deal with. So, um, comparatively speaking, um, in, in your series here, what, uh, what do you see happening next since you went and, uh, your since the third book here oh. is already opening up into this big giant, Epic without oh, being I too spoilery. I already know. Wait, wait, you have the introduction. You've got the murder mystery. You've got the more mm-hmm. epic thing. I think it's time for the buddy cop movie. The buddy cop movie. That's where I was you're, going. You're was pretty going. close. The next really? one is That's a heist. Is oh, the heist, heist book crossed book. with a parody of Harry Potter, crossed with a teen romance, crossed with tournament anime. Wow. What tournament anime for the viewers and me who don't know what that is? Uh, tournament that anime is. like shonen anime like uh, Dragon Ball Z, Yu Yu Hakusho, Hunter X Hunter. Any anime where you, people come together and fight and get stronger and fight and slowly have to defeat their way to the top of some sort of power structure. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. That's probably the most accessible. Oh, sure. Example. Anyway. Um, so... Where can you get these other two books if you wanted to get them? If you wanted to get them, you can get them. If you wanted to get them. If you want to, uh, you can get them on Amazon. And actually the Kindle eBooks of my first two books are going to be free from the launch of Asteroid Made of Dragons for, from four, from the four, five to four, nine, they are free on Amazon. You may have them. So if you were someone who is listening to this and you wanted to have a free book, two free books or two or two. Yes. Two, two free books. Um, uh, what would you, what would you recommend? What would you recommend? I would recommend on the 5th of April, you go to Amazon and you click the button that says free Kindle book. Admittedly, you will have to already own a Kindle or an iPad, or a computer with the Kindle <laughs> app, or a phone, like a smartphone that has the Kindle app, or then you, or if you don't have one of those things, I can't help you. So if, if they were going to get something free, one of the books would be called 
Spell, well, the first the first book is called Spell Sword, spell and then the other book is called The Riddle Box. Okay, go back and spell Spell Sword. S P E L L slash the slash is important. S W O R D backslash. I don't even know. Are I'm you doing even... a bit? <laughs> what is this, Paul? <laughs> I'm trying to get my own bit. You keep Wait, trying to get my own bit. Are you, are you trying to bit? get like a recording of my voice where I say enough letters that you can use it to play my code? Is this a heist picture? Are we doing the heist picture right now? That's no, right. P- Paul has this obsession with turning every one of our guests into his GPS. <laughs> yep. And, yep. Paul's I'm gonna, weird, you guys. He's really weird. Look, I'm sick. I'm on a lot of medication right now. And right now I'm opening up another lozenge so I can make it through this. All right. Can we just make it through it? I just love that I'm gonna JF. Did you pick any books this week, guys? I um actually you you kind of picked one for me because you said someone had to talk about this and I figured I I could talk about that. I'll yes, I did. It. Well, actually, I didn't pick it for. You. I said you we we needed to discuss it because it's going to be uh, something that needs to be discussed. Okay, look, Fire. I'll just put it to you this that. way, man. The medication has got my brain messed up. So, JF, what book did I pick for you? Did you pick? Oh yeah, you want me to start with this? <laughs> oh, you're fine, please. This uh, is our book pick section, sort of, kind of. <laughs> yeah, so this, this is a section of the uh, podcast where we each talk about a book. I, I think Derek's picked one. We, we brought <laughs> Derek in <laughs> really, really last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I assume Paul's got one. But since I'm, I've been called to, to start, um, this, is, this, is, some, out, this is something that's been a kind of a long time coming. Um, anybody here... Myself, Derek, Paul, we're all we're all in uh, in this uh, this this publishing thing because of the the generous encouragement and the the, the, the patronage, if you will, of the Sword of Laser podcast. And amongst the Sword of Laser podcast, um, Veronica writes, but Tom has been writing books at least once a year for the last several years, always self publishing. And one of the first questions I had for Tom when when I got in on the the, the ink shares thing is. Mr. Merritt, when are you going to put a book on ink shares? Seems like a no-brainer to me. And finally, after all this time, Mr. Tom Merritt has a book on ink shares. The book is titled Pilot X, and it is the dreaded, the terrifying time travel novel. Dun, I say dun, dun. I say terrifying because time travel is so frequently badly done. It is one of those genre that is so easy. I, I see so many authors say, oh, I'm going to do this time travel thing. It's going to be awesome. And then they tell you what the plot is and they tell you what the mechanics are. And none of it makes any goddamn sense. It's ridiculous and it's boring. I'm sorry, time travel people, writers. It's not, <laughs> it's not your fault. Time travel is difficult to write for. Fortunately, right, so tell me. Tell, tell us with a little bit more detail what it is that you hate about time travel. Not hate, but like what is, what is the thing that makes you feel so passionate, passionately against the time travel well, story? I'm, I'm not against time travel. Actually, I love time travel. I, I love good time travel stories. Uh, things like Primer, Looper, uh, even Back to the Future, even though they, they have some flaws. The there, there, basically, there's kind of two types of time travel time travel stories. There's the time travel stories that are extremely technical and try to make the time travel believable, and there are time travel stories where the time travel is a conceit. 
unfortunately, a lot of books tend to move towards the middle where Back to the Future only uses a conceit. They don't explain how time travel works. There's a couple of rules that are completely arbitrary. 88 miles per hour, flux capacitor, 1.1 gigawatts. None of it makes sense because it doesn't need to make sense. They're just a bunch of MacGuffins thrown in to tell a story. Then you have things like Primer, which is a very technical technical time travel story where there, there, there almost isn't a story per se, except the story is there as a structure to explain this cool time travel t- theory. Fortunately, a lot of writers tend to get in the middle portion. Well, they'll, they'll try to in- explain their ridiculous MacGuffins that don't work as something that's supposed to be excusable scientifically, and it isn't, and it detracts from the story. And then you care more about the inaccuracies than you care about the story, and it makes for a bad story. So it pulls you out of the out of exactly. the world. Exactly. So that's my problem with time travel stories. And this is why when I I I, I, I was lucky enough, privileged to read Pilot X, an early draft. So you've already read it. Yes, and it is good. And I can tell you, I knew that. That's why I asked you to do that. I know I've I've been I've been bragging I've been uh, I've been I've been uh, you know all right look so, let me just put it to you this way guys when are you gonna send me something to read all right I sit over here all the time oh dude you're I'm in my never list. busy you're, you're in my better reader list now I'm never busy I don't do anything at all ever can I talk you know. about can I talk about pilot X <laughs> All I right. guess so. So Go here's ahead. here's the thing, because here's the thing. So Pilot X is is is, uh, is a time travel story, but fortunately, because it's written by Tom Merritt, Tom Merritt is first and foremost a uh, he he's a tech journalist, a tech analyst. So if you've read any of his other books, like Citadel Thirty Two and Lot Beta, uh, a lot of his books tend to be. Not to go super deep into characterization, but rather into very analytical and very creative and interesting, fascinating even, explorations of certain concepts. So there's no way that Tom was going to create a world where time travel did not make sense and did not have any any sort of internal consistency. Which means that his time travel, to a certain degree, like it, it works, it's interesting. It's not, he doesn't... <laughs> bog us down into details about how it works scientifically, but instead presents us with the impact that time travel has on, on, on society and on the characters and on, on the history, of course, of the galaxy as it's presented, which is what makes it so interesting. So basically just the, uh, a qu- the quick, uh, quick synopsis that's from his, uh, from his page. What would happen if a time traveler lived in a world where time could not easily be changed, and if it was changed, it might destroy everything but himself? Pilot X just wants to fly a time ship, specifically the Verity. There's a, uh, there's a reference in there. But the guardians of Valenda, rulers of his people, throw him in the middle of a time war. When he makes peace, when, when he makes peace they don't seem pleased. In fact, his own people treat him like the enemy. Pilot X was Tom Merritt's national novel, blah, blah, not a rival project. Doesn't matter. It's still very well, well written. What's fun about Pilot X, what I found interesting, it, 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 let me start with the, the big flaw of Pilot X, which I find um, is the same flaw I find in a lot of Tom Merritt's books so far, is that he introduces a lot of super interesting concepts, like things that another writer, maybe like me or Paul or, or Derek, like we could dra- grab just that concept and make an entire book out of just that. And 
to Tom, that's just a throwaway detail. And where we want to linger and learn more about that detail, he immediately moves on to the next thing, which can be frustrating because you want to learn more about these, these details. That being put aside, he tells in a what is a relatively short book and very a long spanning story and introduces what really hooked me was he introduces three different societies, all of which have a form of time travel, all of which have a different completely like on a basic philosophical level, different way to exist and live and travel through time. And the way that these three different entities kind of coexist and they're the, the time war that's referenced, all of that is absolutely fascinating. That sounds great. So it is, it is. I, it, I'm, I'm always worried when I better read stuff because you know, you're always worried that you're not going to like it. <laughs> so uh, he, he's got a bit of content on his, uh, on his page right now on his project page. He's got a, a bit of a, well, I think this is the, uh, the intro chapter, um, he should, he should get a video. I mean, we've been clear about this on the podcast, Paul, yeah, which no, is when people on. should get a trailer. It's not like Look. Tom doesn't have the means to record video. <laughs> yeah. Get on it. Right. Mr. Merritt. You know, I should check out, I've looked at the, I'm following the book. I haven't ordered it yet, but no, I don't want to, I don't want to go to it now. I was going to go to it and check it out, but you're right. If there's no video, why am I even going here? Tom Merritt. Uh, you're, you're going there to read the, uh, the sample chapter. I know it's not like this is for books or anything. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, I mean, I like I said, I, I I'm lucky enough that I got to read it, so I can give a much more in depth uh, evaluation of the book my, uh, myself. Like I've I've read an early draft, so there's there's probably some of the f- concerns that I've raised with Tom that might have been fixed if he thought they were you know, good comments. If not, like I mean, it's his book, not mine, so he does what he wants. Um, but I, it's, it's, it's a book I definitely recommend, especially if you're looking for good time travel, which is a, a rare diamond to find in the genre. Mm-hmm. How about you, Paul? Or no, cool. let's, let's leave the room. Let's, uh, let's leave the, uh, the floor to our guest. Are you sure? Yes. My book's pretty good. I, I've read your book, Paul. Not my book. Not my <laughs> book. <laughs> Out of nowhere. See, hey, my book's pretty good. Since my book is pretty there. good. Paul has good. got the self. He's got the self promotion down. There you, <laughs> there you go. All right, Derek. I guess we'll let the guests go first. Guess that's how we work around here. Or second. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Well. Sort of first. I'll go first out of all the guests that are here. <laughs> there you go. Because okay. this is the JF show, you know. <laughs> uh, so the, oh. the book I picked is a book. It was in the last contest uh, for the Nerdist. It did not win. I was sad because it seemed so cool. Uh, it's called The Life Interstellar by Zach Jordan. Uh, and what really attracted me to this project please say because you thought it was a sequel to the life engineered <laughs> no for a hot second i was like wait a minute like, oh wait it's different okay it's, like i thought maybe jf was trying to pull a just, fast one and just like i'm gonna talk, instead of robots they're aliens it's the same book do it again here we go um, so i kept the same name i just did a search and replace for from from robot to aliens there you go <laughs> yeah pull, I, pull up. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to point fingers or, or name any names, but someone did contact me and say, Hey dude, uh, 
you 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 cool with this? Is, is that is that okay? It's like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, I, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, what attracted me to this to start? I mean, he's got a he's paid to set up nice. I love his book trailer, of course. But what I most loved are his updates because all of the almost all of the updates are written as in world documents. Like they're written as like encyclopedia entries or spam emails about alien implants or androids and like human care packages. I I, I loved it. I ate it up. They were super clever and fun. Like because you you guys probably are in the same boat as me, where I, you follow a lot of books on Ink Shares, you're keeping tabs on a lot of things, so you get a lot of Ink Shares updates, especially around contest time. So you kind of have to like yeah, it's it gets unwieldy. <laughs> Yeah, you kind of have it to does. wade wade through there. But his, I was actually like, oh, yeah, it's like a treat. It's like a treat. And because we're all kind of trying to learn this whole crowdfunding thing, I definitely wanted to uh, highlight him because he was doing something different and cool. And the book itself sounds cool. And now I'll read you the synopsis. The Life Interstellar. Saria Vald is the galaxy's worst nightmare, a human. Fortunately, she's the last one. Adopted and raised by marauders, she will terrorize the tradeways, come to grips with humanity, and even meet God itself in her quest to restart the human species. Yeah, like, I was like, sold, sold, I'm done, I'm sold, that sounds great. Like, it's got, it's clearly got space pirates, it's clearly got, like, humans are not the center of the universe, like they almost always are in science fiction books, like, like kind of the same reason why I was really into Life Engineered. JF and that's super clever like God itself I was like <laughs> it's so clever it almost annoys me but then I'm like no no but I want to know <laughs> tell me about it tell me about it so yeah so I'm totally and this book has already met its quill goal so there will be a book it's still funding I mean he's trying to hit the 750 mark but you might as well get on board because he's gonna hit the mark everyone back it no. so I can have it so uh do you think that uh do you think that he will turn down the quill? Because a couple of people have done that so far. Oh, really? There's some people. Who, yeah, a couple of people. Uh, Steve. I've, I thought I was going to be a trans. So Dweedle. Oh, really? Yeah. He's turned it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I haven't. I don't know Zach personally. I don't think I've ever actually talked to him. Maybe once on Twitter. Um, but uh, that's surprising to me that people are turning it down. Yeah, me too, actually. I mean, Jeff, did you turn it down? Um, I'm not in a position to choose yet. I'll be I honest. I probably will. Now, what's the reasoning behind that? What would your reasoning be? It's it's because of the nature of the project itself. The um, the book I'm trying to, to 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 get published right now is has a level of complexity, and because it's the first part of a trilogy, I I I need I feel that it needs that editorial touch. Mm-hmm. that I managed to get by working with Cleet Smith, my editor. I It's not a book. There's a reason why I didn't – when when I decided to self-publish Life Engineered the first time, the first go around, I God in the Shed was also ready to be self-published. They were at the same level of completion. They had gone through editing, better reading, line editing, and proofreading. They were both at the same stage. Mm-hmm. One of the books I decided to self-publish was Life Engineered because it felt like it – didn't need any more work. I mean, any kind of any piece of, of art always needs more work, and it de- definitely benefited tremendously from from the work that I did with Cleet. But God in the Shed, although it's it's already an enjoyable read, it, the characters are already fun. 
there's something about it that I feel it would benefit more from getting that level of treatment. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 not because I don't like the quill model. It's not because I feel that you know, I'm above that. It's because the, the nature of that particular project, I feel, requires the kind of polish that you only get by working with a, a professional editor. Hmm. Do you think well, you that's would? Under, that's um, understandable. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, well, do you do you think if you don't meet the the full funding goal and you just get somewhere in between Quill and full funding, do you think it'd be worth considering um, going <laughs> with Quill, but then paying like a freelance editor, maybe even Girl Friday themselves? Like, if that's the one piece you need of the full, like, do you think that might be worthwhile? It's definitely something I would consider. I'm hoping it, I don't, to, to be honest, I, I'm hoping, I haven't asked myself the question because I'm hoping I don't have to. Fair, fair. But when uh, when I get to that, like, I'll, I'll cross the bridge when I get to it, if you will. Gotcha. But if if you're looking for why someone would turn out Quill, like, I, I wouldn't, um, a first-time author, someone who's, like, never published anything, is looking, choose, trying to choose between, has reached a Quill goal, but decides, no, I won't do that, I want to self-publish instead, that I would not understand. Mm-hmm. Because you get more out of Quill than you get out of self-publishing yourself. Yeah, true. Um. So, anything else that you'd like to say about the life interstellar, Derek? Uh, no, uh, I, I, like, I want him to either get fully funded or accept Quill... Because I want to read his goddamn book, so everybody back it, please. That would be cool. Uh, but yeah, it looks it looks awesome. You should go check it out. Well, he's got almost three hundred pre orders already, so I think yeah, he's, he's well. He's we well as well on his way. He needs to just finish the finish the drill. Yeah, um, and he's still got lots of time left. Uh, thirty something. I forget what it said. Thirty seven days or something mm-hmm. like that. Oh yeah, from the time of the recording. So anyway, pick that up if you have not yet. Um, JF, have you? I have um, not. I, I'll say I, I have, have not. But I, I am. I'm. I'm picking it up right now. So. Right now, there you go. Yeah, I'm clicking confirm. Boom. Well, good. While you're doing that, I'm going to talk about my book. Is it, can it be my turn now, JF? Am I allowed to have a turn? Yes. Now that you've shown some level of decorum and savoir vivre in front of our guest, you may oh, talk uh, about yeah. your book. Yeah, even <laughs> even though you went you went first, but that's okay. So anyway, you told me to. <laughs> <laughs> you are God. correct. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> excuse me. The book that I chose is called Mission Fifty One, and I believe it was also part of the um, last contest. Is that correct? I don't. I don't remember. I think so. Yes. Anyway, Mission Fifty One. Mission Fifty One. It, it's a very interesting um, premise to me, and I. I don't know. I just. I liked it from the second I saw it. It was. It's really. It's really cool. So let me read a little bit um, about it for you. After a tragic 50-light-year voyage, sole survivor Matt crash lands on a hostile alien world. Beyond survival, beyond tolerance, beyond acceptance, he must learn to embrace the diversity of his new home planet if he is ever to find peace. So um, um, I think that this is a fantastic-sounding uh, story. I, I don't know. It just it kind of sticks out with me for a couple of different reasons. If you kind of if you're following along at home and you're looking at the page, uh, if you kind of read read through uh, what he's got there on his page, which uh, is pretty well organized, I think um, he starts off with a little bit about himself. Um, 
well, no, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess that is about himself. But um, something that caught my eye here is he's a Hispanic or, origin and a child of the 60s. So he's from the um, decade of the civil rights movement here in America. And uh, I'm sure that weighed heavily in on what, what he wrote about here. It seems like it it has anyway. So the elevator pitch uh, that's right under that was actually pretty interesting too. It says, Mission 51 is the story of Matt, an interplanetary an interplanetary traveler. It builds on a familiar foundation of sci-fi lore and focuses on the traveler himself and the journey and the immediate aftermath. A sole survivor, survivor landing on an alien planet after a traumatically long one-way trip. He has a lot to learn about his new home planet. Perhaps we have a lot to learn from him. So I kind of find that interesting. So as you go on and read, you find out that... Um, this trip has taken hundreds of years because they're, they're only um, they're, they they only can travel at a fraction of the speed of light. And even though that tra- transgalactic travel um, is some is a thing, it's not like a, a, a like in a lot of stories where you just kind of can go boop and I'm there. Which is something that we've talked about before, JF. Um, particularly, you don't you don't enjoy that when it's like, hey, you know, it's space. It's gonna take time, right? So well, I thought that was. Depends. Go ahead. To, to me, it has to be consistent with the universe. Like the, what well, you're yeah, describing obviously. about societies that don't necessarily travel very quickly through space. Because in the life engineered, the technology is there to travel very quickly through space because I needed that from the narrative. But if you look at certain books, like uh, Werner, Werner Vinge comes to, to mind, his world, uh, his worlds usually do not have faster than light travel. So we're talking about generational ships and cryo ships and that kind of technology where it takes centuries to go from one planet to the other. That that's cool too because that's a com- that allows to tell different kind of stories. Well, that's kind of like go ahead. Which one? which seems seems to be the case for Mission Fifty One. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That seems to be what's going going on here. And um, so anyway, the uh, main character Matt um, becomes a captain of this ship of this small crew, and they're assigned for a one way mission to this planet that's fifty light years away. And apparently, it has, they have failed the mission fifty times in the past, this is mission 51. Ha ha. Right. So, um, stuff happens and Matt ends up being the only person who makes it to the planet. And, you know, then from there we find out what his life is like and this new planet being the, like the only human, I guess. Uh, I don't, I didn't get super duper far into it to find out what, um, what's going on, completely going on, obviously, you know, cause he doesn't have everything. Um, one thing that I, I kind of found was interesting that, uh, the way that he put some chapters up, he actually has, it looks like an outline for his entire book up here. Um, there's, um, like he's got it broken down into s- sections, part one, part two, part three, and then the appendices, which is kind of cool. And then he's got little chat, like little, um, excerpts from, those different sections so you get an idea of the entire scope of the book without getting you know completely spoiled which i think that's pretty cool you don't uh necessarily see that a whole lot even though i think that the life interstellar um had something similar on on its page but uh that's not something that a lot of people usually or well had had done a lot of maybe i should say that more people may be doing it but i i I, I don't know. I digress too. So another thing that I thought was cool was um, he's pledged to donate to the Ronald McDonald House Charities, which if you don't know anything about that, um, they're really great things for kids. In fact, a, a young, a young, cause I'm a school teacher and uh, my wife is too. So a young girl that my, my wife 
had taught in fourth grade needed to go to the medical center, you know, in the, like the best one in the state and her family couldn't afford it. So the Ronald McDonald um, house charities picked up a lot of the bills. So I, I kind of think that's pretty cool. Um, so if he, he's saying if he hits Quill by May, May 12th, he's going to donate 2,500, at least $2,500 um, to the Ronald McDonald. So I think that's kind of neat. It's always, it's always nice to have a little bit of an extra kind of thing. And uh, this guy is a physician, Fred. Oh my gosh, Fred, or no, Ferd, excuse me. Cr- I don't know, Crote? Crote? I don't know how to say it. I'm sorry, Ferd. But anyway, he seems like a pretty stand up guy. So being a physician, too, he's probably got the $2,500. He's not like me where I'd have $0, you know? So. Oh, well, once you sell the rights to Ageless to a movie studio, to J.J. Abrams, uh, right, you'll, you'll, you'll have all the money you need. Yeah, I mean, they're out of those diversity books. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, not, not diversity, Divergence. That's the one? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. yep. They'll never uh, be out of those diversity books, nor no. should they. <laughs> no, I guess not. So uh, to wrap it up here, we have J.F. with Pilot X as his pick. Go check it out. By Tom Merritt, and we have Life Interstellar by Zach Jordan. Is that right? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Zach Jordan. And then um, from that was Derek's pick, and my pick this week was Mission 51 by Ferd Crote. Crote? I'm not sure. I'm sorry. But check those out. Um, see if you like them. If you like them, pre order, share them with your friends. Let's get them to at least the Quill goals and um, beyond if we can. Or no, I'm sorry. Life Interstellar is already at the cool goal. Get it to the full 750. No, get get all of three three of these books to 750. Come yes, on, go. I agree. I agree. Medicine head, man. I'm sorry. What do you what do you, what do you want from me? I'm trying. Yeah, it's it's, it's dampening your ambition for these people. Yes, <laughs> that's what it does. That says it on the bottle too. I was like, maybe I shouldn't. It says do, do not um, use and record <laughs> podcasts. That's yeah, what it says. May 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 reduce may pre, may cause drowsiness and reduced ambitions. There you go. <laughs> so I have a question for I have a question for Derek. Now that we've pimped books, and I feel good about that. I love pimping books. I have a question for Derek. All right. Do you do you have lying around in the pile of books that you've probably written in uh, d- during the years that you've been working at this? Do you have a hard sci-fi manuscript that's gathering dust that you'd like to see published? I do not. That's unfortunate. Paul, can you tell Derek why? Yes. Um, Derek, I don't know if you know this, but Geek and Sundry has made an announcement with Ink Shares, a uh, partnership, I guess, with Ink Shares. And they made an announcement today, just today, <clears throat> that there is a new contest on Ink Shares, and they're looking for a hard science fiction in this particular contest. The top three books will be published by Ink Shares, and one, I believe, one or more, maybe or is more. what it says. Or more. One or more will be added into the Geek and Sundry collection on Ink Shares. Kind of like That's you awesome. guys got into the Sword and Laser collection, and mm-hmm. I did not. <gasps> The bitterness. Paul, yeah, Paul's been super bitter. The, bitterness. the things he said to Jim. Oh, wow. I didn't say Just, anything to Jim except for, hi, Jim. How are you? Good to see you. Nice to um, read your book, et cetera, et cetera. Sort of and laser. then just like just 45 minutes of just growling. Yeah. You know, it was like that. Just Not unlike this conversation. 
Yeah, not uh, unlike this conversation. <laughs> no, I saw the notification about the new contest today. It's super exciting. It's super exciting. I don't have a secret hard sci-fi rattling around anywhere. I don't really have anything rattling around. Like, I pretty much write it and put it out. There's no other, like, like I don't have, like, like, JF, you clearly have, like, the war chest of, like, five books that you're honing and preparing. It's almost, it's <sighs> almost a goddamn problem, man. It's... <laughs> Nope, I need I, to be able to write more because I I'm, I have issues. I, I write it and then I put it out. I release it into the world. I think it comes from my background of being in theater. Like you rehearse the show, you put on the show, and then the show's over. And you move on to the next show. Well, that's the thing. Like I try not to linger on any books. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm done with The Life Engineered. I'm working on the uh-huh. sequel. But – as I'm working on the sequel, I'm getting ideas for another book and then another one. And there's always, mm-hmm. always something. And mm-hmm. I just need more time to write. I, oh, I, yes. I, I think we all want more time to write. Mm-hmm. So uh, how, how about you, Paul? A little hard um, sci-fi? Hmm? No, no. I got, I got, I have uh, lots of ideas. I have a, uh, I have a document on my computer here, whenever I have an idea, I open it up and I jot down a paragraph or so just so I don't forget it and I'll have to come back to it. I have a really, really interesting idea for hard sci-fi, but it's not – it hasn't manifested at all yet. So long story short, no. No, nothing that Put I can up. enter. Put it up. Get in the but, contest. Yeah, but here's Do the it. deal. I don't want to Do end it. up like Joe. Do it. Where it's like – not no offense to you, Joe, but I don't want to end up like Joe where it's like if I end up being in the top three – Holy crap, I've got to write a book now, you know what I mean? So um, <laughs> nothing wrong with that, except for I don't, I, 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 at least I don't know. I don't think that I function that way. Like when I wrote Ageless, I wrote it over like three years when I was like, eh, there's nothing on TV. Let's look at the book again, you know, um, which is not really true, but it, I am it's the, kind of I am the, I am the exact opposite. Deadline God yeah. is great. Deadline God makes everything happen. So like, oh my God, okay I'm like in the middle where <laughs> I don't, I, I'll write instead of watching TV and I'll, I'll invent myself deadlines, but I don't necessarily need them. Mm-hmm. The only way I got done with my first two books, my self-published stuff was, was self-imposed deadlines, especially the first one. Like I was so terrified that I, if I ever stopped, if I lost momentum, I would never finish. So I'd be like, okay, every week I have to write X amount of pages or X amount of words and then, I, like, because I was freaked out that if I stopped, I would never finish like every other creative project I've ever begun. Um, so transitioning that. <laughs> I don't know anything to, about that. <laughs> yeah, transitioning that. Sorry, did that get too real? I'm sorry, everyone. Everyone <laughs> listening, I'm sorry. It got too real. Come on, just uh, jokes. We only do jokes here. <laughs> but so transitioning that to ink shares, where it's an externally imposed deadline. Oh, it was the best. Especially because at the end of the contest, I only had about 20,000 words ready. So they're like, yeah, we need the rest of it in two months. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was 20,000 words. What did your word count end up being or roughly? Uh, I think it's I think uh we took out a good chunk during editing, so it's just shy of 80k. Nice. Yeah, just shy. So um, you you had to come up with another sixty thousand words, which is basically uh, you know, the entire novel, pretty much, you know? Yeah, more or less. Um well, I mean, I mean like, I miss, if you're I talking in first, terms of like, I, I missed the first deadline by like a week or two, and then I wanted to take some more time and let some people read it and then edit it some. But yeah, it was it was fun though. Like, because like, you don't understand, I'm super lazy. I'm so lazy. No, I, I understand. I understand. <laughs> Pretty sure I understand too. Yeah. 
having very nice people saying, hey, we need it now is the best thing you could ever do for me. They are very nice over there, I'll, I think. I'll keep that in mind if ever I need to get you to do something. Yeah, give me a deadline. <laughs> if you don't give me a deadline, it won't I, happen. I, I, I I guess I have the same problem when I'm doing like a, some people ask me for illustration work. I don't know why. And I'll I'll volunteer and say, yeah, sure, I'll do it. But you need to tell me you need to give me a deadline. It's like, oh, no, no, do it in your free time. Not going to get done <laughs> because I will fill. I don't have free time. When I see free time, I fill it with something. It's probably not going to be your project. So give me mm-hmm. a deadline. Yep. Deadline so, um, and yeah. money, but definitely a deadline. Yes. Yeah. yeah, there you go. So we uh, just took a few minutes and discussed the the uh, I don't know the other two books in the series. So now, if you made it this far in the podcast, congratulations! <laughs> because I don't know what is going on. But so let's talk a little bit about Asteroid Made of Dragons. So um, I like to ask difficult questions sometimes, like about how how is it that you like what inspirational inspirationally like i mean you've been living with these most of these characters i would assume um Mm -hmm. for a while now um uh, two books two books worth so when you were sitting down to like start this again like how did you get to asteroid made of dragons how did you get there like what 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 is it that you know uh the the title came before the book quite honestly Okay. Uh, and, and as many great things in my life, it began as a joke because I was talking to some friends about f- about fantasy books and like fantasy crite. Like the, the many fantasy novels have the fantasy crisis, like the super bad thing that's going to happen. Sauron's going to get the One Ring. A dark god's going to be born. The Earth will crack asunder, and somehow our heroes must prevent this. Like it is a standard trope of the fantasy genre. So I was trying to think of the dumbest thing I could think of that would be a fantasy crisis. And I tumbled, like, my friend and I have a dispute about this. I say he said it first. He says I said it first. But I have no memory of it. So but so one of us said an asteroid is going to hit the planet. And then one of us said asteroid made of dragons. So when it hits, there's nuclear winter and there are dragons. And that made me laugh really hard. And that was sort of the germ of the of this novel. Uh, that was sort of the inspiration of it, of taking the idea of the fantasy crisis, the the hero's journey of dealing with this fantasy crisis, and taking it to a ridiculous level and kind of picking it apart a little bit. That that was sort of one of the big inspirations for me on this. And the original plan. This isn't. This is sort of a pseudo spoiler. The original plan was for the whole book to transpire without the heroes ever knowing about the fantasy crisis. So because I haven't finished reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, give me those hard chapter one questions. Well, hey, they are. They're <laughs> hard. They're hard for me to come up with, really. I mean, no, because I haven't finished reading it. Did Were you successful with that? With, with no. uh no, I didn't mm-hmm. think so. I, didn't I, think I, so. I, real, I realized pretty much in the thick of it that as funny as that idea is, that ultimately takes all agency away from a lot of the characters if they don't know what's going on. And mm-hmm. it also, if they, like your characters are your point of view, they're, they're your camera to show the audience, the reader things. 
So if you if many of your cameras can't look at the threat that's coming, that reduces your ability to tell a good story. So that got sidelined pretty early. But that was the original idea is that the fantasy crisis is coming. The reader, like kind of like a dramatic irony idea where the reader knows about it and it's coming closer and closer, but the heroes are so embroiled in their own problems and their own day-to-day drama that they never know about it. And then probably at the last second, they're like, hey, what's this button? And they push it. I don't know. And then that fixed the problem. That's not what happens in the book, but that was the original idea. That's pretty interesting. So... I don't. I, I'm. I was as you're explaining that to me. I'm trying to think about how you could pull that off and still be compelling. But I guess that's why that changed, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, like I said, I think it would work as a short story or like as a skit, you know. But as a novel, like novels have a shape. Like novel, like you you have things that you want to introduce concepts and you want them to resolve and you want to have a satisfying, especially when you have multiple plot lines. Like you want them all to resolve well and have a like make basically you don't want to cheat the reader out of things so that's why like i said pretty early on i realized that was not a great idea and i shouldn't do it but that was kind of the original joke i was trying to tell interesting so you know you've listened uh if you've been listening to the podcast you've listened to us kind of ramble oh, yeah. on about our experiences with ink shares um what is something that sticks out in your mind you know you don't have to get it too, too super detailed but sticks out in your mind as something that that was really uh, a great experience for you for example jf um usually mentions his uh his developmental edit was really good because of working mm-hmm. with cleat um so, like something like that, for example, like what is something that sticks out in your mind, like oh, working sure. with Ink Shares or or Girl Friday or something like that? I mean, um, honestly, everything working with them has been fantastic. Like they're like super professional, great all the way up and down the line. But really, what's sticking out to me right now is looking at how nice that book they made is, especially when I'm laying it next to my first two self published books which I, I print through uh, CreateSpace, through Amazon, which is a print-on-demand um, service. And, like and, looking, and CreateSpace, does, CreateSpace doesn't make bad books. No, no, they're, they're perfectly... Not, they're not they're, to that. Yeah, they're not, they're not sketchy or bad or anything like that, but it's just a level of quality. Like, the, yeah. like before, but it's like, before I, like, I love those paperbacks, but especially when I compare like the interior layout, like the professionally done interior layout that Girl Friday and all the designers did and the font choice and just how that the paper feels and the cover feels and how it smells like my create space uh, novels, paperbacks, they're like a pretty good hamburger from McDonald's. And I've had some pretty good hamburgers from McDonald's in my life. But this paperback, oh, it's like a steak. It's a delicious steak. And oh man. And and now that I've had the steak, I'm like, I don't I don't want I don't like these burgers as much. I want the I want the steak. I don't know if I can go back to these burgers. (laughs) Which is kind of like what JF's saying for God in the shed. He's like, I've got to have the steak here. Like you've given me the steak once, now I've got to have the steak again. You know? Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. There is a bit of that, yeah, definitely. Like now that you can, especially me having done it twice before all by myself, really being able to appreciate through Ink Shares and Girl Friday, the amazing level of quality that 
having all this, these professional people do all these things for more than for me that I used to once have to do all for myself. Like if you read the paperbacks of my first two books, like that layout, I did it in Microsoft word using the create space template that they gave me. It's not super great. I'll be very honest. It's accurate. I copy like I got did a pretty good copy edit and all that kind of thing. And it's readable and it's fine. It's a perfectly fine hamburger for McDonald's. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's definitely the one thing that really sticks out to me is like this is impressive. This so, this is a, this, is, this is my silly book looks like like a New York Times bestseller in this in this book in this paperback. You know, yeah, it it, just it, it, it looks right on a bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just want to I just want to take a second and say you know that that uh, that little um. I don't know what to call it here. Uh, that little seal, that little mm-hmm. stamp, that little extra special sword and laser oh thing. God, Paul. Oh, here we go again. You are overflowing with bitterness. You're like How does a, that you're, feel? You're, but you're like you're like you're such a jovial, happy person. You're like this happy just little mug how with feels. a smiley face it on feel, the cover. Paul, it's just sopping over Paul? with acid. Acid is burning down the side. It's going to kill you. Let go of Paul? your hate. Paul, it feels amazing. I like it the does like something that you me. would never understand. See, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear how terrible I am. That's it. <laughs> no, it, it, to answer your 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 bitter question seriously, it feel it honestly feels amazing <laughs> to be a part of uh, so to be forever more linked up with Sword and Laser is great because I, I I love them. Like I discovered Inkshares because of Sword and Laser. The same like, thing for me. So I, I was a fan so of Sword Laser, and I've been listening to it for years. So it 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 feels good to have that that level of validation. But at the same time, you can't you can't look at that as being the only source of validation. Mm-hmm. It's oh, no. it's it's one of those things that it's a nice to have, but like yeah. I was saying, like when, when I was talking about setting expectations, you can't say, well, I wasn't in the collection, so I didn't win the contest. I mean, you still got in like the top six, got the full publication run, your book's mm-hmm. being distributed, it's being well-reviewed, well-thought of. I mean, that's that's what you need to you know focus on. Yeah, the, the, look, guys, I'm not really that distraught about yeah, this. Yeah, you are. You are. No, I'm really we, not. We I'm see, just being we see so. it in your eyes. The lady look, protests too much, methinks. Look, when you have yeah. your interview on Sword and Laser, just go ahead and tell them that there's another book that needs to be in this. <laughs> and then say the say I got in the shed just to like destroy me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, to to be honest, like one of the things, and this is an aside, one of the things that I'm very curious about by uh, uh, in getting Got in the Shed um published independently of a contest or of a collection is to see how that experience differs from being from having that kind of a surrounding that 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 framing of having mm-hmm. of being part of a collection of being part because e- even even you kind of get that paul where mm-hmm. like there, there's this you're still part of the contest there's still that level of validation that there was this this event that ties it all together i'm curious how different it is like the the, the feeling of doing this independently yeah i'd be interested in uh hearing your opinions on that when you get to 750 because you're going to do if, it if i get to 7 no, 750 no when when 
win. There's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of room to cover in a very few days, but we're gonna try. We're gonna give it our best. So you're going to Chicago, right? Correct? Am I correct? You're going to the I, um, I am I am going to Chicago to miniatures a, co- convention. Um, what is it called? I forget what it's called. It is. It's a convention called Adepticon. It is a it. toy soldier convention, which has um, very little to do with with um, the life engineered or almost, God in the Shed. Well, I have a lot of people that are my supporters that are going to be there because um, I'm I'm going there because these are these are my friends. These are people that I hang out with. So these are people that supported me. So it's going to be it's going to be nice to sort of see some of these people post publication and uh, and get their impressions and try to see if I can drum up some interest in uh, in got in the shed and go from there cuz one one of the things that was uh, a bit of a problem when I first tried to get got in the share funded is that I did not have a first book out now I do so we'll see how if that makes a difference mm-hmm. well and I was kind of getting to that um you're going to try try to replicate Jameson Stone's results um, well, I, I don't think I can replicate Jameson, Jameson Stone's results because Jameson is like, he, he is a master of, of doing that kind of, that kind of marketing and good on him for, for having that gene and having that, that skill set. I'm, I'm going to try to take a page out of his book, definitely. And I'm going to, to campaign as heavily as I can, uh, for, for my book. The, the advantage I have is that Adepticon is very, feels very home turf to me. I know a lot of people there. It's, it's a friendly environment. It's not a con where I'm surrounded by strangers. It's a con where I'm surrounded by, by friends and acquaintances. So I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll, I think I'll be more comfortable approaching people that I meet and saying, Hey, yo, um, let's, let's buy books. (laughs) Uh, you know, I think you should just wear a Jameson mask. Just wear one right over your face, you know. Print one out on paper and just have. I don't. I don't know if you've seen Jameson, but there's a, there's more to his face uh, as to 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 match his physical appearance. Well, then maybe you get a bodysuit. I have seen a picture of Jameson. <laughs> so uh, I'm just teasing you, but no, I, I wish you luck. And you have some plans, right? You're gonna make some flyers. Is that what you're gonna do? Oh, I've I've got a bunch of a uh, tiny Listen, little. I need to know your plans flyers. so I can use them. Okay. Well, let's tell you what, I, I'm not going to describe what I'm planning, what I'm going on, on this episode. I'll wait until next episode where I do a post mortem and I can tell you what I did, what worked, what did not work, and uh, and we'll go from there. Better idea, Derek. Hey, Derek. Hey. How's it going, buddy? Yeah, Good. I bored Derek away. No, I was actually <laughs> holding the mute. The, I hit the mute button because oh. my dogs are barking again. That's all that was going on. You're, I just pretend that they're dragons. There's just dragons back there. Okay. Making Asteroid dragon noises. made out of dogs. Yeah. <laughs> that, one is, that was your original plan, right? Asteroid made out. You just tried everything. Asteroid made out of pancakes. <laughs> Asteroid made out of like. Loafers. Asteroid made out of lemurs. No, that won't work. Wait, yes. no, no. Go back. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I'm in on that one <laughs> asteroid made of lemurs <laughs> is it gonna be like king julian lemurs though the whole time <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yes um so uh you know seriously let's let's go back to asteroid made out of dragons um are made of dragons now I lost my question because I'm laughing at the stupid lemurs. 
Uh, oh, I, I remember. Um, on the back back last spring in the contest, it was um, we've kind of like uh, talked about our um, experiences there. Um, it was a very lonely kind of thing for for me at least because you know I'm just sitting here at my house and even my own wife was like, I got to go to bed, I got to work, I got a real job, you know. So and and for us on the East Coast, it was super duper late. It was uh, three a.m. when the contest ended. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I had to I had to get up at 5 a.m. to get ready for or 530 to get ready to go to my job. And so I'm like just sitting here and I'm like watching, you know, you're just staring at this thing, these top five. So you have a unique experience, which would be a little bit uh, different than, you know, mine and JF's because of where you landed. You want to uh, care to share what happened there or, or I mean, like how you felt about all that? That oh, transpired? yeah, I mean. Sure, it was it was it was it was rough. It was very very rough, right? Um, Wasn't it? Uh, Inkshares learned a lot after that first contest. Like they <laughs> they learned a lot during it. They reacted really great to yeah. during it. But last couple kinda, of hours, especially <laughs> yeah. When they when they set up the contest, they originally set it up as top pre order counts. Just who has mm-hmm. the most pre orders? Top five. That's who wins. But they didn't really like. They didn't really think it through a hundred percent. And so people started just like pre-ordering in mass, which a lot of it was like people who had gotten like, like, like bookstores to pre-order like 30, 50 copies, which is awesome. Or people who had gotten like, like big lots of their family to like pre-order a ton to make sure it happened. But it basically hit a point where it like, especially in the last like 72 hours of the contest, it was like, uh, I had been hanging on in the top five, like pretty much all the way through the month and a half contest. And, but then the last like 72 hours, it became like eBay where people were just like climbing, climbing the numbers. And then right there in the last little bit, people just straight up were blatantly cheating, like blatantly just like made up campaigns. were trying to get in there and Inkster shut that down right away. But basically I got, I hit the point where it was like, like it's East coast. It was like one in the morning. I was like, okay, I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in, I'm not going to make it. That's not going to happen. It's over. I'm done. Like all this psychic energy that I've devoted to this, all the weeping in my tub and all that kind of thing. Like it's over. It's toast. Um, so I went to sleep. Really? And then I got up uh, the next morning to go to work. And I, you know, first thing you do is you look at your phone and all, and I had like umpteen like emails and Twitter messages like, Oh my God. Oh my God. You won. You won. I was like, that's impossible. How could that have <laughs> happened? And so basically what Inkshares did is because the way like a lot of like a lot of people think are unaware of this, when you have a contest, you kind of have to abide by the rules you establish at the beginning of it. You can't it's a you can it's, it's kind of illegal to change it midstream. Um, so you have to abide by the terms of the contest. You can cancel the contest, but you can't change the rules midstream. So what they did was they said, OK, we're going to do what we said. And we're going to publish the top five books with the top five pre-order counts. But because we, what we always wanted was the campaigns that had the most people interested, the people who had the most readers, they said, we're also going to publish the top five that had the most unique readers associated with the campaign. So I was number six with a bullet, like barely skated in there just on because I had lots of readers not that I'd lost out in the pre-order counts and so I was like what what like the whole day like I couldn't believe it 
because I had already like accepted it and like started to like, okay, I need to detach emotionally from this and begin the grieving process and all that kind of thing. And to be like, no, no, you won. What, what do you mean? I can't, I don't know how to process that now. I've already moved on to despair town. Let me be in despair town for a while. And then later that day to find out that I'd gotten picked with, uh, with JF for the, the grand prize for the sword and laser collection was like, wait, I double one. I double one. Like I went, <laughs> like it was like, I told all my friends it was emotional whiplash. Like it, it really, really, cause it was like, it's like, it's like, is this an eighties movie? Are people going to start like slow clapping and like, everyone's going to like nod at me or like, so yeah, it was an intense, it was an intense emotional experience that was, will probably never be replicated for me at least. Uh, ho- hopefully not. Cause yeah. one of the, one, one of the things when they started announcing like the second or third contest, my, my mission became to not allow for the kind of environment that was in the first contest to replicate itself mm-hmm. it's and i'm i'm like obviously i haven't had as hands-on a uh i haven't been as hands-on with the community as i probably should like like people like joe and john robin and several others like kara weston like these mm-hmm. these guys like i i basically said mm, we should be more of a community and they, they just ran with it and they did all the heavy lifting mm-hmm. but the the idea of having because me and joe stayed up until three in the morning until the very very end when they did, when they announced all that stuff, you probably saw Joe and I's Twitter tweets mm-hmm. to you when, oh, yeah. when we found out you were in. But the those those hours of just chatting back and forth, watching watching the cheating, watching the cheating being canceled out, watching the people rocket up and rocket down and crash, and it's just, it's that's not what any of us are looking for in becoming writers. We're not, we just want to write, we just want to tell stories and get them in front of as many people as possible. So I'm like, I, 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 I feel that we're in a better place now where people are actually forming a community. We're helping each other out and it's, Mm -hmm. it's a lot better than it was that first time. Yeah. I mean, and it was a learning process for them. It was a learning process for us. Cause like, it's really, cause most writers like me included, but definitely just from talking to everyone around. Cause like none of us are good at making ourselves emotionally vulnerable like that, where you're promoting yourself, you're opening yourself up to rejection, you're putting yourself out there and to sustain that over, you know, a long period where there's this huge prize out there in the ether is really, really difficult and stressful. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad it all worked out for the best. And I'm glad mm-hmm. that all of these later contests, like it's all based on, on readers. Like it's not really based on pre-order counts anymore. It's just purely on, on readers, like on people, people who want to read your book. Like that's, it's, it's been very exactly. cool to it's, watch. It's one, it's one of the reasons why I like to call like uh, most people call the platform crowdfunding, but it's really more of a crowd voting. Mm-hmm. And that that's what I like. I like, I like that everybody has one vote or and, and that during a contest and that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a popularity contest now. <laughs> <laughs> that first contest was difficult, difficult. Yeah. yeah, but it was a, it was the first time they were doing something like that. I mean, there was a lot to, there was a lot of, uh, of things that they couldn't see coming. So they handled it very well. I mean, they did mm-hmm. definitely the, the, the way they handled it was perfect, was on point and they've just been improving since then. So, you know, I was actually reflecting on the last year, you know, um, well, just listening to you guys, I was just reflecting on the last year because it's been almost a year since the contest began last year. I know, right? It's crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
And uh, I'm sitting here thinking about everything that's happened since then. And it's just been an amazing kind of like crazy ride for me. And it's just like, I'm sure that you guys feel the same way. Like I got um, today, actually just today, this morning when I um, got up and I went outside, sitting on my doorstep was uh, um, practical applications for multiverse theory or is that right? Is that the name of it? I think that's the name. But yes, it was sitting on my doorstep. So I opened it up. And that's what I, I was tweeting about today. Um, I took some pictures with um, your guys' books and that book, and I'm thinking, man, we are on the cusp of being completely finished with the first um, generation of, of contest contest uh, finalists or, or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I was like, wow, that's crazy. So um, I'm looking at this bo- these books, and I'm like, man, I can't believe that that's been my life now for almost a year. <laughs> and it's it's, it's also, just go ahead no it's also pretty cool that in a year from the end of the contest almost all the books are out mm-hmm. like all the people that like put down their money like you have the product all were delivered no kickstarter sad fail stories here you know like where because kickstarter is sort of rena- like you always have the the horror stories of kickstarter kickstarter where people pre-order something and then a year, two years, three years later, they say, sorry, you're never getting the thing. We're sorry. Maybe here's a refund. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I hadn't yeah. actually heard that. I don't do a lot. I mean, I haven't backed very many things on Kickstarter, but I mean, I can imagine that it, it's probably an issue with, with the, so many different things that are on Kickstarter. And and there's there's other issues with Kickstarter. Uh, for, for instance, there's a, a huge portion of Kickstarter that aren't about funding anymore. It's these are established companies, companies that could just as easily go get a loan from a bank to do whatever they're doing, but they're going to Kickstarter so they can essentially set up. It's not a funding campaign; it's a pre-order campaign, and it eclipses mm-hmm. a lot of more legitimate starters people who need funds and can't just go into a bank and take a take a mortgage out or a loan out in the company name because they're not a company yet they're that's why they're on kickstarter so yeah. the, the the crowdfunding model on kickstarter has kind of become a, a different beast it's not necessarily a bad thing it's just a, it's just now it, it's a different creature altogether yeah but that's a completely different rant Sorry. i know right <laughs> i know i know so um derek I, I was uh, checking out um, Goodreads and Amazon, which actually Amazon just kind of opened up within the past day or two, right? Is that correct? A couple days mm-hmm. um, for That's their right. reviews. For their reviews. Uh, right now, you're sitting at 100% five-star rating, my friend, with nine yeah. reviews mm-hmm. on Amazon. That's pretty amazing. Uh, That's wow. fantastic. <laughs> That's and, great, but it's also only nine reviews. <laughs> Right. Hey, well, I mean, if you look, there are plenty of books that have less than nine reviews. You know what I mean? I, I, I know. And I'm super thankful for those nine people that gave me reviews. Um, and on Goodreads, you're at four four point five and uh, thir- 13 reviews, 13 reviews. So, I mean, um, you're holding strong here. And, you know, that that actually brings me to something that I, I wanted to uh, bring up um, because, you know, obviously those people already have the book. They've already read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw very recently your um, your book on a uh, picture on Twitter from someone who I'm sure that you were very excited that um, got a copy of your book. Now, whether he read it or not, I mean, that's something we don't know yet. But right. Mr. Uh, you know who I'm talking about, don't you? Oh, you're talking about uh, John Scalzi? Yes, yes. I'm sure that's mm-hmm. exciting. That's an exciting feeling. Oh, sure. Absolutely. 
Um, like he gets so many books. Oh yeah, I know. So I know, but many still, books. it's just it's really cool though. So no, it is. It's definitely cool. And if and I the thing that pleased me the I mean it's super awesome that John Scalzi has my book, and it's if he picks it up and reads it and like wants to be my Twitter friend, thumbs up. Like anything that gets me closer <laughs> to being some sort of important internet dude, great. Um, but for me, what was honestly the most well, exciting like right brain thing, is getting you there, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all about the boost. It's all about clambering <laughs> up to the top of Internet it's, Mountain. It, it's funny because like I, I got very recently, I think last week, the same the same experience where someone mm-hmm. tw- like Scalzi uh, tweeted like the uh, picture of stack books and mine was uh-huh. in it. And it was, and my my first thought was, oh, well, I guess my my book will surface kindling in the Scalzi home. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, because well, he gets so many books. I assume I assume mine gets burned. Yeah, and like he probably will donate my book at some point to some deserving library would be like, no, but I was going to say the thing that made me happiest was he put it on Twitter. And then, of course, because I'm needy and crave uh, affirmation, of course, went into the Twitter conversation to see what if anyone was like saying anything about my book. I did the same thing. And I, uh, I saw several, and it was several cool. people were like, Asteroid Made of Dragons, that looks cool. Yeah, yeah, what a great title. Yeah, yeah, what a great title. I was like, yes, high five me. And I felt good about myself for like a minute. <laughs> and that's like a record. So that was that was my favorite part of that. That people just, they didn't even see the awesome cover art. They just saw the title and were on board. And I want those people to f- buy the book and become my internet friend and invite me to their birthday party. That's what I want. <laughs> and where there will not just be a clown, but two clowns. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be an awesome party. I didn't know I was going to those birthday parties. <laughs> so, uh, you know, speaking of cover, um, when we had Jim on last week, uh, we talked about some, some uh, I don't want to use the word failed covers here, but uh, some alternate covers. Um, and uh-huh. he actually put out a post with some of the alternate covers uh, the next, the next, within the next couple of days. Was there a cover that, um, that came by you that you were kind of like, mm, this might be the one, but then you decided against it? Is there anything like that? Uh, not really. Like we started out with three very strong directions. Uh, and the first one was just kind of meh. And pretty much everyone was like, pretty much everyone across the board was like, meh, boring. Like, and then the second one was very interesting. It was very like stark, like New York, like New Yorker sort of cover, like very stylized and sort of weird and serious looking, which I kind of liked a lot. But then the third one was the initial mock-up of what we have now, the asteroid. And initially it had like a dragon tail coming out of it. And immediately, especially uh, Veronica and Tom, like immediately were like, this is the one. We love this. This is great. Um, and so that was pretty much the direction we went with very quickly. And uh, though I did try to get them to do some variants for me, like to make it like, because I was, I was worried. I'm always like worried that people will be like shocked that the book's funny, even though the title is silly. Like I wanted to put like some sort of joke on the cover. I was like, would it be funny if there was like a jar of pickles floating by or like Robert Silverberg's disembodied head or just like something. And then, and then they were like, no, that's dumb. Shut up, Derek. And I was like, okay, thank you. Thank you. Girl Friday. Thank yeah, you. They're, they're like, do you sell books for a living? And you're like, well, I, I sort of want, no, <laughs> And they're like, yeah, so just you go sit over there in the corner and we'll 
find a jar of pickles to put on the cover. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, initially I wanted them to have That's the cool. tail holding a pinwheel, but it, it did. It nice. didn't like it was a it was a funny idea, but it just it didn't look right. And so that's when they wind up taking the tail off and got that super iconic um, look for the cover. My One of my favorite things about the cover is kind of a, a stealth beholder from Dungeons and Dragons a little bit, which I like that a lot, too. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I'm me personally, and I, I don't know if people listening, I, I mean, I don't know. But uh, I personally like to kind of find out about these kind of things. I kind of kind of like equate it to like when you buy like a DVD or a Blu-ray and you have like mm-hmm. all the extra features. You know, I'm like, I want to know about that kind of stuff. I want to see the evolution of the process. You know what I mean? So like my next question is going to be along the same lines. Like when you had it, when you were doing your edits of the books, was there anything mm-hmm. that you like had to let go of that you were like, oh, man, oh. I really wanted this, you know? Or, or, sure. or, you know, was really difficult. Like when you're going through something like the uh, developmental edit and you're like, man, I don't know. I, I understand what you're saying, but I really don't think that it's right. You know, that kind of stuff. But then oh, you, sure. in the end, you just had to like let it go anyway. So anything that stands sure. out like in your mind? Oh, definitely. Um, like we definitely went through several sort of rounds of th- like things that were, there were many questions. There were many like, we think maybe you don't want to do this or you should do this. And lots of long discussions of like, well, no, I really want to do this and here's why. And they're like, oh, okay. The biggest thing that got kind of axed that I was initially opposed to, but then over time I was like, no, 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 this was the right choice. Uh, But I I don't want to get too detailed because I don't want to spoil the book for you or for anyone who hasn't read it yet. But there's there's a prologue and there's an epilogue and then there's little interstitial bits with the same characters that are in the prologue and the very end. And initially, the, they, there was more of them. Like, there were a lot more expansive scenes of the prologue characters. in like, gotcha. kind, of like, kind of like intermissions in between the main story. And they were just kind of there to, like, be meta-narrative, which I love dearly and would read forever and ever and ever. But the, 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 my editor, uh, Lindsay Robinson, was very clear that, like, no, 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 no one cares about this. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, you're probably right. Let's cut it. So basically she was like, it's pulling you out of the action or not necessarily action, but it's pulling you out of the narrative and, and you're just feeling like, why is this here? One of those kind of things. No, it was more like I created it to solve a problem. Like I was like, I'm worried people won't get that. I see that I'm telling a certain type of story. And, but then I started liking the prologue characters just of their own. Like I started liking them of their own accord like I just liked having them around and then I started doing things with them. And then she's like, well, well, this distracts from the main thrust of the story. I was like, yeah, yeah. But I like them a lot now. I was like, but, <laughs> but, uh, but so what? And she gave like, you the oh. killing your babies thing, right? I don't think I got the kill your darling speech. I think I, I think all oh, writers are sick are sick of the kill your darling speech. <laughs> I'm, I'm sick of every single trope and as writers i can't believe how used we've gone to trading cliches under the guise of advice oh uh, yeah it's like yeah. oh here's something trite <laughs> try to imagine i'm giving you a tip but it's trite <laughs> like thanks yeah no i've i sure have never heard that one before oh cool <laughs> eight ways to write fascinating characters i'm gonna click on this never 
<laughs> oh wait oh no you took the hemingway quote and you put it on a sunset picture now it's a meme i get it now <laughs> um, no, no, sorry but yeah, <laughs> almost, but yeah was, i almost slipped into a rant go go ahead Derek. <laughs> no no but it, there, there was stuff i cut um i don't uh, there were things that i did not let go of that my editor really wanted me to and only time will tell which of us was wrecked only the only the readers will decide if I made the right call. Well, uh, and that, that we'll have to save for the 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 asteroid made of dragons spoiler town episode. Oh yeah. Get into, oh, we but, need this. We need to start doing spoiler casts of some of the books from Ink Shares. Oh, that needs to be you know a, what you should that do. That needs should, to be a new format. I think we could. Do, we could. You should do right it's brain uh, shop talk. Shop talk. There you That's go. That's when you can talk about anything. Like getting the real nitty gritty of how crap works and how narratives works and spoilers and all that stuff. Yeah, mm. we need we need to look at doing this, Paul. You and I, when I when I come back from my con, we'll uh, we'll have a powwow and we'll talk about that. We'll synergize and figure out what we do. I have to finish I, reading I like that, that idea. I have to finish reading Asteroid Made of Dragons, which is um, honestly, I, I my goal because, like I said, I'm on spring break this week and I, I don't have too many projects that I'm trying to do. Yeah, right. So, um, but the goal is to get it done so I can put a put a uh, nice review up on yeah, um, Amazon do. and Goodreads by the uh, the um, the publication date. Sorry, I blanked out there. I think I went mm-hmm. to sleep. But uh, yeah, so the the goal is to get it up before April fifth or by April fifth at the latest. So because you know, as we all know, reviews are king um, for yep. some reason. Um, which brings me into a nice segment where you can plug yourself, Mister um, Adams, JF. Before I guess before we transition to that, I asked a bunch of questions. Did you have any questions? <laughs> No, you covered you covered pretty much a, a, a every angle. Like I'm, I, I mean, I'm uh, again. Like I'm fortunate enough that I got to read Asteroid a bit early, and I mean, the, my favorite part of Asteroid is the cover blurb on the back. So that that should tell you everything. <laughs> I th- I think it's it's wonderfully worded, uh, and, and it's a it's a riveting few lines. <laughs> I wonder who's who. I wonder whose blurb it is. I don't. I mean, I don't know. Some guy. I mean, my my publisher stuck me with it. I mean, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Some douchebag. That's what, that's how I need to sign all my cover blurbs from now. Some douchebag. <laughs> Fantastic love. read. Loved the time travel element. Some douchebag. Some douchebag. <laughs> nice, nice. So anyway, <laughs> where? Uh, I don't know. Derek, you're up. Go. Uh, okay. Uh, well, if you want to interact with me on the internet, uh, you can find me on Twitter at G Derek Adams. That's the easiest way to find me. I also have a, a website spell dash sword.com. You can find me there. There's also sample chapters of all my stuff there and various blogs. I, it's rarely updated because I'm super like I update my ink shares campaign page especially right now because i really want to like keep all the backers involved and let them know what's going on and all that kind of stuff um but uh yeah asteroid made of dragons if you've made it this far i've talked a lot about it um it's for you if you are a huge dork and you are slightly bored with the same old fantasy genre tropes and you want to read a book that doesn't take itself so seriously, 
doesn't waste your time re-explaining wizards and re-explaining elves and re-explaining everything that we already know how it works. And if you want to meet my new awesome main character, uh, Xenon, who is a goblin archaeologist who engages in no combat and uh, solves all of her issues with either awkward interpersonal communication, archaeological knowledge, or drinking. A lot like JF. (laughs) Xenon is, by leaps and bounds, my favorite character in the book. Oh yeah. Like, and she's brand new for this book. Like, and like, I really wanted there to be a new main character for people that hadn't read the other two books. So there's sort of some legacy characters from my other stuff, but very quickly I was like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rhyme Jonas, you're, you're fine. You have a lot of angst and you're powerful and cool and stuff, whatever. Not you, Jonas, you suck. But Xenon, like I was always more eager to get back to the Xenon stuff when she was like investigating things and, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so come check it out, you you nerds, nerds of the world, do it. This one's for you. This one's for you. Uh, and, it's cool. I swear. And, <laughs> and after you do it, after you do it, go on Goodreads or Amazon or both, uh, and leave a review. An honest review is what you're always you're always um shouting at me over over email through Inkshares. Yes, Honest review. I, I want to put a point to this. Like this is important. Like, and I, I, I think it is wonderful if you want to give me a two star review, a one star review, whatever you feel is fair. Please give it to me for two big reasons. Number one, uh, I'm still early in this whole writing thing. Like I've written three books, but I'm still, I'm still want to believe that I'm growing and learning. So if enough people hate something after I cry about it for a week. I can actually learn from it and get better and not do that thing anymore. But secondly, I personally have read and loved books because of other people's one star reviews. The thing they hated told me that I would love the book. Makes sense. Yeah, I like. I don't know if I've told this on the on the podcast before, but I have. Like, I got my first one star review on Goodreads, and I was terrified of what I would read. And it ends up being someone who essentially says, "Oh, my son loved the book so much, he forced me to read it, but I don't like sci fi." One yeah, star, like, exactly. Well, you know what? That's actually a pretty ringing endorsement because uh-huh. if someone liked the book enough to force his mom to read it, <laughs> it can't point. have been that bad. Yeah, and it tells you, no. like, oh, this person's kind of awful and didn't like the book, but I'm cool, so I'm going to like it. <laughs> I don't think that person's awful. I just think that they don't like it. No, she's life. awful. She's awful. <laughs> I'll hate her for you. Vin- yeah, you, you do that. <laughs> Goodreads mom lady, one-star review <laughs> leaver. You are hated by me, officially. Timestamped. Done. <laughs> JF. Tell me what I can order from you, please, because I need more JF well, in my Paul, life. You can't, you, you can't order anything from me anymore because you've already pre-ordered A God pre-order, in the Shed, which say. is a book I'm funding on Inkshares right now. It is This is the center of my goddamn universe at this point in time. This is my project. Uh, I this is, it, It's the thing I want to see done. So, yeah. I you you guys if you haven't pre-ordered a God in the Shed you need to go to bit.ly slash God in the Shed all in one word 
and read the the, the 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 material that's there. There's like six sample chapters, a prologue. There's a video. There's even a uh, the, the prologue is even read by one Paul Inman, unrelated to my co-host because he sounds wonderful in the uh, in in reading that prologue. And I mean, you've heard Paul here. You you yeah. you know that can't be the same guy. It is not. It's definitely not heavily edited. Heavily edited. <laughs> so, so I, I don't want to say like help me get make my dream come true, but because that's kind of already happening with uh, with the life engineered. But uh, how about how about you help me uh, get a second dream to come true? And as I have to say, get get on the ground floor of that book because I don't know why. Like I hate I hate bragging or sound like I toot my own horn, but I have a feeling this one's gonna get a lot more legs if it gets funded. I have. I got a gut feeling about that one. I'm telling you, I liked The Life Engineered, but I like A God in the Shed a little bit more. A lot of people are saying that. So, and then maybe that's why I'm feeling that way. So go to bit.ly slash God in the Shed and, and, and pre order that book. Get yourself a signed copy. And JF, are you on the internet at all, anywhere, ever? No, no never. the only the no. only place you need to go is gotten is, is is what I just said that that that's the only link that should concern anyone. Okay, <laughs> or um, you could follow both of us at Right Brain um, on Twitter. Uh, I should say on Twitter at Right Brain underscore. If you'd like to follow the podcast, you can interact with myself and or JF, and you can um, tell us. Funny stories about yourself, like for example, if you're if you forced your mom to read The Life Engineered and then gave it one star on, and she gave it one star on Goodreads, you know, um, Derek wants to know who you are, so you know we'll tag. I him don't need to know who too. you are. I hate you. Yeah, well, I, I knowing I kinda... who you are is incidental to my hatred. <laughs> please, please, please don't hate my readers. <laughs> Nope, I hate her. Sorry. <laughs> Even those that give me one, can't one, take it one back. Star can't reviews. put the Don't bullet back in the gun, JF. I'm sorry. I hate her. Can't put the bullet Forever. back in the gun. Hate is a strong word, Derek. I know. I mean it. I chose that <laughs> word carefully. So um, uh, on Twitter, that's at rightbrain underscore. And um, you can even try to like our frenemies if you want at drink shares. Drink, what is it called? I forget what drink shares last call. I don't know what it is, but never mind. We don't care anyway. So, uh, <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter at Paul Inman, S-C-P-A-U-L-I-N-M-A-N-S-C, or go to my website, www.paulinmansc.com. Once again, P-A-U-L-I-N-M-A-N-S-C.com, and see the things that I do with my life sometimes. And um, contact me if you want to chat about things and stuff. And yeah, so... Ageless is available for pre-order currently if you'd like to pick up a copy before it comes out in May. And The Life Engineered is now currently available in stores and online from JF Dubow and Asteroid Made of Dragons will be out very shortly within the next week, April 5th. Check them out. Leave good reviews or, or, or reviews, I guess I should say, honest reviews. Even if they're one star, the hate will be fierce. But, you know, we'll be honest. So, uh, guys, um, Derek, we appreciate you coming on. Anything no, else anybody would me. love to say? Oh, yeah, sure. Anything else anybody would love to say before we wrap this up? No, I'm like, go go, go read all the books. Like, we, we've mentioned six books. 
there's no reason why you fine listeners shouldn't be ordering each and every one of those six books. Go. Have a great week, everyone, and we will talk to you on Right Brain next week. Good night. Oh, yeah.